My name is Kathy Kelly, and you're listening to Paranormal Tales from the Tower, direct from Asbury Park, New Jersey. A lot of you guys have written in and asked me, what do we do with new artifacts when we get them in? You've asked a couple of questions. One is, how do we get our artifacts? And another is, what do we do with them once we get them in? Well, um, artifacts come to us in a lot of different ways. The primary one is through donation. Uh, in other words, somebody has an experience with an artifact or a device or, you know, some kind of uh, physical um, physical thing, and they decide that they either no longer want it or they feel that it's worthy of inclusion in uh, the Paranormal Museum. Um, sometimes I just roll up to the front of the museum and there are literally things just leaned against the door and left there without any kind of notice or any kind of um, explanation. That's happened on countless um, occasions over the course of 10 years. Um, some of the stuff is just in, you know, some of it's just creepy stuff that people probably scared the bejesus out of themselves uh, with. Some of it is really inane looking and very, um, you know, just plain artifacts that um, don't look scary at all. Um, and from time to time, we do get a lot of Ouija boards. So we get a lot of people who, um, a lot of a lot of people who start interacting with the Ouija board and then, you know, scare the hell out of themselves and end up not wanting it around. And the story is always very similar to the ones that you guys probably have heard in the past or or maybe you've even experienced, which is, you know, we threw it out in the garbage and we woke up in the morning, it was back. And, you know, the truth is, is that according to most folklore and most legends, you cannot throw away a Ouija board. You can't you can't burn a cursed object. You can't destroy it. You can't bury it. Uh, the only way to get rid of it so that it's no longer associated with you is to give it to somebody else. And there is something really awful about that because generally speaking, people don't want cursed objects. It's only, you know, particular weird people like me who uh, who seek these things out. Um, and so what happens is it makes you complicit in the cursing of someone else. And nobody really wants to do that. You know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to bring down the bad juju of, of cursing somebody else. And, and honestly, you don't probably, you don't want to hurt somebody else. Um, and so what we do is we take them, we, uh, specifically Ouija boards. We have, I, I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of, the inherent evil of Ouija boards or the inherent danger of them. Um, but I do believe that if you're afraid of them, you should stay away from them because um, because it's probably not good news for you. And I also believe that with most cursed objects and most items like that, that these things become kind of self-fulfilling prophecies. So, um, you know, you could be the clumsiest person on earth uh, but you forget that when someone tells you that they've cursed you. So, you know, all of a sudden you fall down the stairs for the fifth time in a week. But, um, you know, on on Monday, your friend hadn't cursed you. And on Thursday, your enemy had. You know, when you fall down the stairs on Friday, it's suddenly because of the curse. 
And I don't mean to just kind of minimize experiences that people have. I'm just saying that there's a lot more to us in our experiences than we're often willing to give credit to. Uh, so that's how some of the artifacts come to us. Um, also, we are called out to do investigations, and a lot of times when we do investigations, um, people don't want the artifact that they believe is causing the phenomena to stay in the house. Sometimes they just also don't want the artifact to be destroyed, or they don't want the artifact to get lost, and so they donate it to us. We have a couple of artifacts that I think are of enormous historical significance and I'm super excited to have. But even just in the last couple of months, we've gotten four or five different artifacts that have come to us, most of which I think are probably residual in nature, the, the actions that are around them. And so generally speaking, what I do is I isolate them to the degree that I can, and that includes putting them in an actual trunk that we have in the museum. And we try to isolate them so that there's no... Um, no amplifying energy being delivered to it. So if if we are talking about residual stuff, that, that it's just the residual stuff that's staying on there. It, there's no new amplification of it. And then what we try to do is we try to take it out and we'll run, you know, we'll, we'll do some EVP work by it. We'll do... Um, We'll put an SLS camera on it, and obviously there are always night vision cameras. But to be honest with you, it's less and less about equipment and more and more about personal experiences that people are having. And I have noticed changes in the museum when we've brought in new artifacts. Uh, just this uh, last two months, um, people have always reported the same phenomena in, in the building that we're in now. And I've had similar experiences to what other people have had. Um, and even when you take them with a grain of salt, when you have just a preponderance of evidence that something is happening, you know, it's it's irresponsible to just continue to deny it for the sake of denying it. And so we uh, have come to believe that we share our space with at least one um, non-physical person. And... Um, and now I'm beginning to think that there's something else entirely there as well. And, and I didn't really realize when it had come in. I just realized that something was a little bit different. And when we were doing our, uh, I want to say it was the April seance, um, we were finishing up and there was a, a, a guy that had come to the seance who was definitely skeptic. Uh, he was definitely skeptical. But he was totally respectful, and there is nothing wrong with skepticism. Skepticism is healthy. Skepticism is how you should approach pretty much everything. It doesn't mean you have to be disrespectful, and it doesn't mean disbelief. It means going where the evidence leads you, regardless of where the evidence leads you. So you can't say, I'm skeptical, therefore I refuse to believe in paranormal phenomena. If the evidence leads you to paranormal phenomena, a skeptic must see that and must acknowledge that. It just means that they're not as likely to jump to the conclusion of paranormal phenomena unless and until there's evidence that leads them there. And this is pretty much the way this guy was. And I, his name was Michael. He was a, um, he is a mentalist and a trained magician. He did not tell me that until after the, uh, the seance. Um, but he was really respectful and he was open to everything and he got a reading and it was great. 
But he decided to kind of stay with us and hang out when we were cleaning up. And, um, you know, the Paranormal Museum is a lot more intriguing to other people than it is to me because I'm there a lot and I'm there for a long time. And, you know, when people get to spend after hours in there, it's exciting for them. But for me, a lot of times I just kind of want to finish up and go home because I'm tired and especially on seance nights where it could be a 12 or 14 hour day. But um, some of our team members were there. TJ was there and uh, Joe was there. And if you guys have ever been by our place, you know that, uh, especially Joe, Joe's been with us for nine years and he is an absolute integral um, part of our uh, our team and a huge part of the Paranormal Museum. TJ's newer, but he's very involved. He's very invested and he's a great guy. And so we were all um, finishing up, wrapping up, putting the chairs away and getting ready for our next day, which was a slate of paranormal tours in the museum. When there reaches this certain time, and it doesn't happen every night and it doesn't happen every week, but it does happen sometimes, where we are in the building and there just seems to reach this time Sometimes it's at 11 o'clock and sometimes it's at 2 o'clock in the morning where the building just wants us to leave. And you get this sense of overstaying your welcome. On this particular night, um, we had finished putting away the chairs and the table and Michael, the the mentalist, was asking a bunch of questions and he, um, I guess he has had some burgeoning kind of mediumistic experiences and he's a little bit uncomfortable with them. We're a little bit not really sure where they're coming from. And while we were putting away the chairs, um, both he and I saw a figure that looked to be a man in his mid to late 30s wearing kind of like Edwardian clothing, you know, or, 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 um, I thought he had a bow tie on, but the more I think about it, the more I think it might've been some, I don't know, some type of a necktie that's not a traditional necktie. Um, and he wore hair split down the middle, um, kind of formal. He he looked very serious and honestly this is a split second so this is more along the lines of just kind of experiencing something and getting a vibe from it but i'd seen him out of the corner of my eye when i looked up michael looked at me and he said hey did you just see the guy in the bow tie and when you when you have something comments like an experience like that you you it's it can be startling but it can also just be very run-of-the-mill yes i saw that guy in the bow tie and that's the way we took it we we were kind of laughing about it because it was so fast and then we were trying to figure out what it could have been that the two of us had misconstrued because we're in a big empty room and the answer is nothing right we both saw something that we couldn't explain and we just let it go with that we didn't spend you know an hour trying to come up with it we both were exhausted so we just kind of moved on to the next thing and the next thing was that um i have a scrying mirror mirror in the museum and michael and joe and tj thought that maybe they would be able to see something in the mirror that they weren't able to see with the naked eye i was fine with them trying that and we we put it on um and we also put a candle in front of it 
And the theory behind this is that the repetition of the mirror images um, allows you to see the multiverse or different planes of existence. And that that is one of the ways that uh, spirits communicate with us, that we're actually not necessarily communicating with spirits, but we're communicating with people on different planes of existence. It's a little bit more complicated than I'm interested in pursuing, but I get it. So I was actually going through the mail, and I was content to let them um, do their investigations and explore a little bit while I was still there. Um, and most of the lights were on in the museum, and um, we were all sitting in one corner, and I was at the table, and they were uh, both, uh, they were, all three of them were, one was either, one was sitting and two were standing behind them. Uh, him looking in the mirror and they thought they were having experiences when suddenly we heard this loud bang and it came from the area of the museum known as the as the ritual room now the ritual room is where i keep artifacts that have been used in some kind of occult ritual or ceremony i do not differentiate between christianity voodoo pio Santeria, or any of those things, if, if it was used in ritual, regardless of the religion, um, it's a cult. And that, I, I, I don't mean to imply or disrespect anything, meaning I think voodoo is just as valid a religion as Catholicism is. And I think that Pio is just as important to the followers of Pio as Judaism is. So it would be disrespectful to those religions if I implied that they were a cult, but that the rituals and ceremonies of more commonplace religions were not and so i don't but everything that has been used with an intent i store in a specific place in the museum and i do that so the people know what they're walking into um and we have one artifact there that i think is a profoundly important artifact and it's called the cauldron and so we were uh, all sitting there. We heard this loud bang, and it was not something that could be misconstrued. It was not, hey, did you hear that? It was like, holy crap, what was that? It was a loud bang. And it came from this area of the museum that we could see right there. It was only about 25 feet away from us. And it was lit, and we could see that there was nobody over there. Um, and the lights went out. Now, when I turned the lights back on, the three guys that were there with me had somehow turned into, you know, Scooby-Doo and his bunch, um, holding on to each other with these scary, shaggy faces. Um, but it really seemed like it was time for us to leave. And But I couldn't leave without going over and seeing what had made the noise. And so I went over to check out what had made the noise, and I knew I really wouldn't find anything. But what I did discover was that there was an artifact over there that I had kind of forgotten about, and it was a funeral bench. And the funeral, um, by a funeral bench, I mean a kneeling bench, where you would put this in front of the casket and people would say their final farewells. And it had been donated not because it was particularly haunted, but because the woman who had it essentially said to me, I thought you should have this. I have four of these. And I think someone comes to this one each night. Now, I'll tell you, she would sleep in a casket. She wasn't afraid. She wasn't intimidated. She didn't think there was anything wrong with it. She just thought I should have one. And she thought, this is the one that kind of wakes me up. So I'll give it 
to the Paranormal Museum. Now, I have very few things in the museum that I won't take out for people to look at, but I do have a lot of things under glass, and I have them under glass for their protection, not for yours. But there's only one thing that I ask that people absolutely do not touch, and that is anything pertaining to the cauldron. If you come to the museum, you'll also see it's the only thing that's not under glass or under plastic in some way. And the reason is, is that four times I had it under glass and four times the case got broken. That to me is not statistically normal. I believe that there's something in that does not want to be caged. And so I took the hint and I decided to leave it out in the open and just ask people not to touch it. But when the funeral kneeler came in, I thought this is perfect because it pushes people back about two feet. So they would really need to lean over to touch it. And it kind of creates a distance. But it never occurred to me that maybe what she was experiencing, um, that she was really casual about, actually was attached to this kneeler. And when I went over there, I realized the sound that we had heard was the kneeler falling and opening. Now, it doesn't, it has never done that before. I've never had it happen. I have a camera on it uh, 24-7. I've never had the noise happen before. I've never had the movement before. But on this particular time, I did. And I realized that she claimed that it was a man that would go to this kneeler every night between uh, 2.45 and 3.15 in the morning. Now, I have cameras I have replaced in the museum, and I do get updates almost every single night from that time period, but I've never seen anything on it. And there are a lot of reflective surfaces, and reflective surfaces can be caused by headlamps and motion outside and even the movement of the wind um, moving curtains and whatnot. The fact that it's always at the same time is a little unusual, but it's not enough to really say that it's paranormal in nature. But that night, while we were all there, and we were all casually experiencing things, I kind of put two and two together, and I realized in all the years that I had owned this building, I had never seen this male figure before, I had never experienced anything like it before, and nobody had ever reported it. And it was only after we got this artifact in that we started to experience him. So I don't know. I don't know if he's there. I don't know if it's a misinterpretation of something. But people ask me where we get our artifacts from and what we do with them. Sometimes we get them and we don't really do anything with them until we start to experience things. And so when we do our next investigation, which is going to be August 3rd, we're going to be spending a lot of time looking at this kneeler. I don't believe in provocation. I don't believe in any kind of abuse. And I don't believe in any kind of disrespectful demanding. But we're definitely going to do some EVP work over there. And we're definitely going to leave a camera on it. And we're definitely going to put an SLS on it. But I'm hopeful that the people who participate have a little sensitivity. Because I'd love to get some insight. Um, so this has just been a kind of quick, well, not that quick, but a more casual Paranormal Tales from the Tower about artifacts that we have and artifacts um, and how we treat them when they come in. 
you know, I like to think that we go through um, a set process, but sometimes these things reveal themselves just through life. And so if you haven't had a chance to come down to Paranormal Museum, um, I hope you, you can at some point. If you'd like to be a part of our team, please go to patreon.com forward slash paranormal NJ. You can definitely become a member of the team by supporting us. And also remember, um, I will be simulcasting most of our paranormal investigations on our Patreon site. There's a ton of great benefits. Um, team members get um, discounts off merch, an invitation to parties, um, spots on investigations, spots uh, at the table on seances, and just a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and if you can't do that and you want to just follow us, go to Facebook. We're Paranormal NJ on Facebook. We're Paranormal NJ on Twitter. And we are The Paranormal Museum on Instagram. Uh, it's been great talking to you guys, and, and I hope that I get to meet you and see you soon. Take care. <laughs>